Hail and well met and welcome to another episode of Self-Evident. My name is Bryn and I am here with Alyssa, Jenna, and Kenna Rose. So today we're going to be talking about three different types of reproductive technologies. And I know this might be a little bit of a weird topic to bring up because of what our usual listening audience is, but we all think that this is a very important thing to know about, especially if you are pro-life. Right. It's a whole other aspect of the pro-life movement that is rarely talked about, but as we're going to find out later in the episode, it is extremely prevalent in America. Yes. So without further ado... Our first topic will be IVF. So, Kenna, can you give us a little rundown of what that is, the moral issue with that? Yeah, IVF stands for in vitro fertilization. It's a fertility treatment and it's used frequently. It's the process by which egg and sperm are joined together outside of a woman's womb, so like inside a test tube in a lab, to create an embryo or oftentimes multiple embryos, and then those are implanted into the woman in hopes that one of them will like stick and become an actual pregnancy so technically it's just like a lab baby yeah that's why ivf often results in multiple pregnancies at one time um so that's just a very basic summary of what ivf is i suppose you can imagine there'd be several moral and ethical issues regarding that i do want to be careful as i'm talking about these moral issues because I know most of our audience is younger and probably isn't even thinking about these things. But I know that we do have some older listeners who may have done fertility treatments in this area or whatever. And I know this is a very hard topic. So I want to be like really, really. So I want to be very, very careful in how I talk about this. But the main problem with IVF is that there is more than one embryo created. And often after a successful pregnancy, couples now have the problem of what to do with the remaining embryos. And as pro-lifers and as a Christian, we know that life begins at conception. Right. And there's a ton of scientific evidence to back this up. So this means that humans, several humans are being formed at the very, very beginning stages, like an embryo. They're human, and it's only another stage of human, like fetus or baby or teenager or adult. The problem is, the embryos are often frozen or killed or set up for adoption, which is kind of, I think that's rare, but they are not potential children. They actually are children in the first stages of their life, created in the image of God and deserve life. And so this is one of the reasons why IVF has moral problems because it ends up, it ends up with extra embryos or, and oftentimes what do you do with them? A couple other issues that you can usually find in IVF is sometimes you have donor sperm or eggs. So it's not mom and dad giving their own sperm or eggs. It's people just donating their own. And sometimes those are used in the baby. So it's almost like sometimes it's creating designer babies is one worry that comes with it. Yeah, I've, I heard that parents could actually... This, is, this also ties more into surrogacy, which um, we're going to be discussing later. But I heard that parents can actually say like we want you know smart we want pretty we want boy we don't want any downs genes we don't want any um like certain genes like they can list their order it's like a male order baby mm-hmm. yeah because then after the embryo is created doctors can go and like test and see okay this one's gonna be a girl this one's gonna be a boy and can the parents can choose based on mm-hmm. what it is yeah. 
And sometimes that means they can d- eliminate diseases, which it's a good thing when you can make sure your child isn't going to have a horrible disease. Right. But in general, it does end up being yeah. kind of like picking and choosing. And then because you have the embryos created, what do you do with the ones you don't want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kenna, what if, so let's say that there is a couple and they've tried to get pregnant. They've tried so for many, many years, but they just can't. What would you say like to them if they were like, oh, what if I just get an IVF? Yeah, so I know there are other options oftentimes. So I was when I was reading up on this subject, I read that doctors often won't talk to parents about other options in terms of fertility treatments. They kind of push IVF. And so I would say talk to your doctor and see what other options are and maybe do a little bit of research yourself and to figure out what other options there are for fertility treatments. But I know another moral issue that does come with IVF, and this one ties in more a little bit to surrogacy, but IVF is often used by gay couples who can't have kids, and so they'll use an egg or a sperm donor and sometimes a surrogate. Because then you start having the moral issues of kids growing up without a mom and dad, the moral issues of an LGBTQ couple raising a child, and then surrogacy, it's its whole entire thing, which we'll talk about later on. And Kenna, you mentioned surrogacy. Jenna, what is that? And Sure. So surrogacy is actually, putting it in the bluntest of terms, is renting a woman and her womb for nine months so you can grow a baby in it. Um, so that could happen for either a, a heterosexual couple that are having fertility problems or just the woman doesn't want to carry her own baby and they have money to rent another womb. I've seen a couple celebrities, I think, who have done that. Mm-hmm. And one of the... Uh, Kardashian I think, sisters. Yes, one of the Kardashian sisters did that. And I believe one of the, ish- the one of the reasons why she didn't want to carry her baby was not to mar her own body. Surrogacy can be either a very, very selfish thing to do or a very, very desperate thing to do because some heterosexual couples cannot have a baby. And so they rent the womb of another woman for nine months and then take the baby from her as soon as it's born. But I pulled up a list from Center for Bioethics and Culture Network, and this is run by a nurse who was in the pediatric field for a long, long time, and she was with um, like the latest updates on um, reproductive technology. And so she saw what was going on with the, um, the industry. And actually, I wanted to say that um, the fertility industry is actually estimated to be a multi-billion dollar industry in the United States, which is kind of scary. Like, mm-hmm. that's why they're pushing IVF so much is because they make so much money off of this. And a review of most agency websites reveals a dehumanizing approach where patients are referred to as clients, surrogate mothers are referred to as carriers and surrogate pregnancy arrangements referred to as sales that's so basically it's just an exchange of renting wombs and buying babies that's really really awful i feel like whenever anything's referred to as an industry especially if it has to do with health you or children or just anything like that you might want to take a step back and look at it and be like okay so why is this being called an industry and is it something i should be concerned about yeah so surrogate pregnancies I'm going to link an article in the description below, which kind of gives um, the studies that which were done and the top risks of what you should know about um, the issues with surrogacy. So I'm just talking about like actually the whole 
mental and physical aspects of the risks of this. So surrogate pregnancies intentionally sever natural maternal bonding that takes place during pregnancy. A study in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry found that, quote, surrogacy children showed higher levels of adjustment difficulties at age seven, and the absence of a gestational connection to the mother may be more problematic. Gee, I wonder why. The study also reported that such difficulties, quote, may have been underreported by reproductive donation mothers who may have wished to present their children in a positive light. But just think about this. Like, you, you realize... Um, later in life that your mother is not actually your mother you were part of a whole sales process like don't you think that would be hard for you to process when you realize like oh I was bought by a couple hundred thousand dollars and like the parents that I call parents aren't actually you know my biological parents Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that would be really hard yeah and with um severing maternal bonding i mean there was like this giant story with i think it was chloe kardashian Mm -hmm. where she used a surrogate mother and what what did she say specifically about that well one of the reasons that she wanted to use the surrogate mother is because she had a baby with tristan her i can't remember if he was her husband or partner whatever he was um, but then he ended up cheating on her. That was a whole scandal. I thought it was Travis. Travis? I have no idea. Maybe it was Travis? It, Travis it's a Tristan. <laughs> wow, that's complicated. Um, she wanted her daughter to have a biological sibling because she felt that was important. But she didn't want to have to sleep with him because mm. he was a cheater. So that's one of the reasons why they got a surrogate. So she, she understood the maternal bond that happens with pregnancy because she had one her own biologically. And she was saying to her sisters how difficult the bonding process has been with her new son because of how transactional it was, where the the carrier, as the lingo goes, had the baby, and then the baby's just taken from its carrier mother, given to Chloe in another room, and it's so transactional, it's so cold. And Chloe was just saying how the bonding process has been very difficult. Wow. And, you know... After after you give birth, there is this whole thing called postpartum that a yep. mother goes mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And not having the joy of a sweet newborn baby that gives you purpose after that whole experience, I'm sure it's devastating for those surrogate mothers who yeah, have to go through that. For sure. I can't imagine the just agony they have to go through. Yeah. Where they carried this baby for nine months. It was inside them. It was like kicking and it was... You know, mm-hmm. they felt life inside their body, and then all of a sudden, they're not able to get to know that life. Right. I, I know that some some surrogate mothers do keep connections with the family, and like you know, they she's becomes like part of the family or things like that. I'm sure there and there's also happy stories about this these types of things. In general, it's not a good practice. So the last one, the last point that I wanted to bring up about surrogacy is studies show that women pregnant with donor eggs, very common in surrogate pregnancies. Um, they have a more than three-fold risk of developing pregnancy-induced hypertension and preeclampsia. And I was listening to uh, Seth Gruber's podcast, which is called Unaborted, and he was uh, interviewing Jennifer Lal, which uh, she is the head and founder of the Center for Bioethics and Culture. And he was discussing how with IVF treatments and surrogacy, um, surrogacy programs, um, the risk for breast cancer goes up dramatically through um, IVF. 
Yeah. And so you also have really hard fertility problems after that as well. So there's a whole bunch of risks, and I would strongly recommend going to the Center for Bioethics and Culture just to read up on that if you are interested in learning more about that topic. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I agree. Definitely go look at all that information that Jenna has shared and read up on the article and we listen will link to the podcast. It. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it all in the description so y'all can go check it out. The last thing is ectogenesis. What so, on earth is that? Alyssa, what is this? And well, I actually didn't know what this was yeah, until I mean, this This, this is actually very so, new. Yeah. Alyssa, what is it? Yeah, so this is actually very new, as in 2016-ish kind of new. Okay. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, ectogenesis is the development of a mammalian embryo in an artificial environment. And while this may seem like a technological win for reproductive technologies, as this can prevent harmful pregnancies, fatal pregnancies, um, premature right. labor, right. Um, this technology also includes numerous moral red flags. Um, according to a Wired article, quote, one day human wombs may no longer be necessary for bearing children. In 2016, a research team in Cambridge, England grew hu- human embryos in ectogenesis, the process of human or animal gestation in an artificial environment oh my for up to 13 days after fertilization. A further breakthrough came the next year when researchers at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia announced that they had developed a basic artificial uterus named the biobag. The biobag sustained lamb fetuses, equivalent in size and development to a human fetus at roughly 22 weeks gestation to full term successfully. Then, in August of 2022, researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science in Israel created the world's first synthetic embryos from mice stem cells. Sometimes I feel like there's so much, let's see how fast forward we can go, that yeah. they don't stop to think, should we be going this much right, forward? <laughs> right, exactly. In the same month, scientists at the University of Cambridge used stem cells to create a synthetic embryo with a brain and a beating heart. Ectogenesis has the potential to transform reproductive labor and reduce risks associated with reproduction. It could enable people with wombs, notice it doesn't say women, it says people with wombs, to reproduce as easily as cisgender men do, without risk to their physical health, their economic safety, or their bodily autonomy. By removing natural gestation from the process of having children, ectogenesis could offer an equal starting point for people of all sexes and genders, particularly for queer people who wish to have children without having to rely on the morally ambiguous option of surrogacy. This just sounds... I love how they call surrogacy a morally ambiguous option while they're literally talking about creating life without a, a human like right. without a mother right and i mean see how they view pregnancy a risk to their physical health their economic safety their bodily autonomy <laughs> I thought everything was... is me 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 all about me yeah i thought it was really interesting too that the only like gender they specifically mentioned is cisgender men yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then people with wombs it's I like know, no I, i'm really a woman. woman thank you very much um but this technology removes the need for a mother's womb And as believers, we really need to examine God's word for direction and clarity when it comes to this. An article by The Guardian makes the intention behind this technology startlingly clear. 
quote, an external womb could also lead to a new equality in parenthood and consequently change the structure of our working and private lives. Okay. This is literally dystopian. This is awful. First of all, this is all very creepy. Second of all, one of the most beautiful things about being a woman is being able to bear a child. Yes. Like, of course, there's going to be pain because of the fall. There's pain and everything. Like, there's pain and everything, but... It's such a beautiful process to be able to have us grow a child in your in your stomach and be able to feel it kick, be able to like go through I guess like the pain that it takes to bear that child and mm-hmm. then birth it and yeah. have a living yeah. human being. Not Absolutely. that any of us have it's experienced an emotional it yet. <laughs> we have yeah. it, but it's an emotional connection that you yeah. will feel with that child that I mean the guy won't get to experience it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's mine. Like, I, I just, I don't understand it. And God like, designed the world this way that, you know, men are the protectors, women are the life givers. And it is innate in us that we yeah. know, like, we are supposed to have a father and a mother. Yeah. And that's why there are so many children who are adopted that if they don't know their birth parents, there's a little hole inside of them that they want to find their birth parents. Yeah. And so um, just imagine with this ectogenesis, a child being born to, um, a gay couple and now they they don't have that they'll, they'll never have the knowledge of like can I find my mom I I won't yeah. be able to because these um the eggs that are donated they're they're, they're not tracked by any, yeah, of, the, any of the women yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly oh and wait the article gets worse oh, no. it says Ugh. given time it could dismantle the gender hierarchies within our society given more time it could eliminate the differences between the sexes in our biology okay wow. okay this is totally playing god and trying to mess with the way absolutely you know. that's it, the world is gonna fall like society is gonna fall apart there's a reason why god created man and and woman there's a reason why he created male and female there's a reason why we have different roles. Mm-hmm. And there's a verse in the Bible that talks about men and women fitting perfectly together. Yeah. And it's true. If you look, take a man, just like a normal man and a normal woman, they balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Like it's perfectly. called complementarianism. It is. And that is why God created male and female. And that's why he designed it for male and female. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, that's how it works. That's, that's how, how it works. The world like, works. <laughs> and it's... I, oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, the the phrase finishes out by saying, once parental roles are equal, there will be no excuse for male-dominated boardrooms or political parties or much of the other blatant inequality we see today. So we see that the technology of this is a slippery slope because it distorts the picture and beauty of what it means to be a woman, the ability to carry and nurture life. This technology rips the beauty and uniqueness away from women. A woman's God-given biological marker is the presence of a special reproductive entity that only women have. And this technology distorts it, distorts God's beauty in creating woman, his reproductive design, what it means to be a man, what it means to be made in the image of God. It's all flipped upside down. And this technology also hurts the child because of the fact that mothers and babies form an inseparable bond through the process of pregnancy and throughout breastfeeding. At 18 weeks, a baby can hear the sounds of a mother's body, including her heartbeat, which is one of the reasons why babies love to be cuddled next to their mother's chest, as the sound of the mother's heartbeat is familiar and comforting. At 26 weeks, a baby can be soothed by the mother's voice from inside the womb. 
At 32 weeks, babies can start language development by just the sound of their mother's words. Oh, that wow. That is so beautiful. That's so amazing. It really is. Motherhood is such a special gift from God. I pray that the Lord grants me that gift in the future. Not now, obviously. <laughs> but it's such <laughs> a beautiful here. gift, and it must be protected. This gift will be dangerously and significantly undermined by this development of this technology. And while ectogenesis has some helpful positives, such as premature births and infertility, the negatives far outweigh the positives, in my opinion. And all of this just goes back to the breakdown of the modern family. Yeah. Well, and when you start playing, trying like playing God in some of these areas, because I do feel like this is really playing God. Oh, absolutely. You end up with a whole host of moral and ethical concerns. Not only how is this going to affect people, yeah, but mm-hmm. you can see that it's going to affect the entire way God created the world yeah. to work. God is the one that gives life. He's the one that takes life. He's the one that grants families the capability to have children. And this technology just makes it man-made. I mean, we see infertility in the Bible with Sarah and Hannah, Rachel, Elizabeth. Those are just four examples. Right. But and those were who, all godly women. Right. All godly women that struggle with infertility. But you know what God did? He said, no, I'm the giver of life. I'm going to give you a child. It's not your, I'm Lord of your body. And so I think with, a, and I want to be careful here with how I say this. I think with a lot of infertility, I think people would do well to recognize that God is the giver of life and that he has the ability to open the womb. I know of a woman who she was told by her doctors that she had like a 2% chance of being able to have children. And you know what? How many does she have? She just had her fourth baby. Fourth biological baby. And I just find that to be so beautiful that God is the one who overrides the body and is able to give life in that way. I mean, Psalm 139 tells of the wonderful process of development in the womb, that God knits them together and forms them. God's design for a woman is beautiful, and part of this design includes the miraculous beauty of childbearing. That's so neat. What's really interesting to me is you can see how this ties even into the LGBTQ. Like, you can see almost how Mm -hmm. the issue of being pro-life and abortion is tying into the issue of the way God designed family to work and gender like it's all just kind of starting to come together and show yeah, that for sure really there is trying to be an unraveling of the way God created the world yeah well the Guardian article talking about how getting rid of gender hierarchies making there be no differentiation between the sexes so what it you know Matt Walsh's documentary what is a woman yeah what is a man what is a woman who cares we have all these technologies that make both obsolete yeah I'm trying to comprehend that psychological and mental damage that would be done to these children that are going to be um given life through this uh through this procedure like they're going to be growing up without knowing who their actual parents are they're going to have to deal with the fact that there was money you know transacted for their life to begin and Seth Gruber put it in his podcast um, that through surrogacy through IVF through ectogenesis we are putting the desires of adults before the rights of children it's all about the wants and desires of the people who want kids there's like me 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 Mm -hmm. and as you were saying, Alyssa, it is it is not about us. It's not about our timing. It is about God's timing. Yeah. 
And that's all to say we do understand, even though we haven't experienced any of it ourselves, infertility is really hard. It is. It's devastating. And um, you can have that faith and pray and pray and pray, and sometimes God still doesn't give a child. So we do know that infertility is really, really hard, and we're not trying to say it's just because you don't have enough faith or anything. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I know these topics are really difficult to unpack. Yeah, they're very touchy. They're very touchy. Um, They're very raw for a lot of people that have experienced this. So the point of this podcast wasn't to beat you over the head with all these facts and um, berate you for anything. But I think all of us, our heart was to just inform you of these technologies. IVF surrogacy, it's been around for a little bit longer. Ectogenesis is coming up. Um, Just to inform you, make you think, make you maybe pray about options when you if you are experiencing infertility maybe talk to your doctors a little bit more talk to your pastors um, tell them your concerns tell them what you're fearing because like Kenna said like Bryn said fertility is very very touchy infertility is very difficult for people to walk through it's so devastating we don't mean to take away from that in any way shape or form one thing that strikes me about all of this is how it just kind of shows that in our society we can see that the fact that human beings are made in the image of God is very much not something that's really thought of or believed anymore. And you can kind of see that even in the way they're doing these almost experiments on human life. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked for, I don't know, a good 25 minutes here, and we still haven't even touched on the whole other topic of this which is experimentation with the frozen embryos that are left in labs yeah i think i was listening to an albert muller episode and i think this was even a couple years ago but he was talking about how scientists created a chimera which is like a human animal hybrid wow and i don't remember all of the details because i listened to this episode a while ago but he was talking about how they had mixed like the cells of a monkey or something into a human embryo and it had grown for like seven weeks or just something horrifying That's like so that. so evil and distorted. Mm-hmm. It's like it Dr. Really Jekyll is. and Mr. Hyde or even mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Yeah. It's very it's dystopian. Playing with the way God created mm-hmm. life to work. And I don't know, to me, it just makes me think of the way satan's attacking the way god created marriage to work the way god created gender to work and he is the sanctity the of life yeah and i mean yeah it's terrifying and with all of this that we mentioned we haven't even like we've barely even gone deep enough into it but um this just it just goes back to the fact that it's so important to value human life and at the end of the day what do we believe as christians Every single human is made in the image of God. And that includes the embryos that are frozen in laboratories. It does. And, I mean, if you think about it, all of these embryos, like, I think Jenna mentioned or kind of mentioned earlier the fact that there was this embryo that was frozen for 60 years, and when it was born, it should have been 60. But no, it's... Like a year old. Yeah. It's a year old. and But in reality, it's like 61. (laughs) Really? It's just man playing God. Yeah. Absolutely. With all this being said, um, let we us do want to give a shout out to the fact that Roe v. Wade overturned the anniversary. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, uh, that's amazing. Um, 
And with all this being said, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. And in the words of Victor Blanchard Sheffer, I think that's how you say his name, forgive me if not, throughout history, men have tried to play God by moving rabbits, goats, sparrows, mongooses, and a hundred other species to oceanic islands and island continents, and later have wished to God they hadn't. This is self-evident.